Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Amen. Uh, well, this week we're kicking off a new series. Uh, we wrapped up Retweet last week, and uh, you can catch that on our podcast uh, if you missed some of that. Uh, but as we're uh, starting a new seven-week series, uh, we're doing a series that we're just going to call Try This at Home. And, and I was kind of putting this series together. Um, you know, there was the, the whole thing of Yoda, you know, the do or do not, there is no try type concept was um, in, my, in my head. And that thing of, um, of you know, we don't want to, this is something we need to do at home, not try at home. But the truth is, uh, most of us um, need to understand that there's this place um, where there is this, this, this safety net of grace, where we can step out and begin to actually embrace these things that God has called us to do. You know, sometimes we can have this idea um, that maybe, um, you know, that, we, that there are people who are allowed to do things and can step into things and that we don't need to try them at home. You know, growing up, you know, my generation, you know, we didn't have helmets and bubble wrapped everything and whatnot. I mean, we just kind of just, you know, went out, you know, and we got concussions and stayed in the game. You know, we did different things that maybe weren't healthy, but that's just the way our generation was. And, and uh, anyways, and so we needed a little coaching because if there was something dangerous on TV, somebody had to come in and say, don't try this at all. And they had to be dramatic like that. And then they would go and do the thing. And whoever was going to do the thing, uh, well, they were an expert, man. They tried it. They, they, they had the skills. They had the practice. They had the training. And they would do something. And the rest of us just watching all, and we're not supposed to try this at home. And the truth is, is we can kind of let that seep into our relationship with God, that maybe that there are these people who are, you know, priests and preachers and ministers, and they've been to seminary, and they're trained, and they can do this stuff, and, you know, and the rest of us, maybe we should just let them kind of handle it and, and let them do it, because I don't want to mess it up, and I don't want to give God, you know, a bad name and do something dumb and say something wrong, and, and so I, we probably shouldn't try this at home. Let's let the pros do this, but I'm here to tell you, everything in Christianity is all for at-home use, all of it. It's all for at-home use. There's no commercial-grade part of it, you know, that, okay, well, then this is the pro level, and then now we've got the at-home version, you know. No, it's all for at-home use. There's no commercial-grade part of it, and there's no people who are set apart that are allowed to do things that other people aren't allowed to do, that we're, we're all called to be ministers. We're all called to, to share the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done, and so very much... We want to look at this truth that we want to kind of let any little roots of that that might still be kind of lurking in us, that maybe we're not quite ready for this. Let's kind of just take those roots out and see that we can step into this in our daily lives, that we can try this at home. And we need the try part in there because the truth is um, you may be like me um, and I am terrible at anything I'd start for the first time. I'm terrible at it. Some of you people are punks, and you like do something the first time, and it's awesome. Um, and the rest of us want to punch you in the face. 
and we need to try patience at home um, and not punch people in the face. And so, um, but there's some of you that y'all are just good at stuff. You know, you just like, you know, you go out and grab a golf club and you hit it down and you're like, oh, you golfed all your life? No, I just picked them up. Get out of here. I couldn't hit a ball straight to save my life. I've been golfing since I was five. And so, and, um, you know, just those frustrating things. But um, the first time I ever preached, it, it was just, it was terrible. Um, it was a terrible moment. Uh, nobody listened to me. The, 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 it was just, it, the message fell flat. It was not a great experience. Uh, three teenagers tried to pick a fight with my wife. Uh, and my wife was like, catch me outside, ladies. You're about to throw. And I'm like, sit down. You're, you're a minister's wife now, lady. And so, and, uh, and so it was, uh, um, it, it, the first moment wasn't like this great win. And so, but we knew God had called us to that, um, you know. And so I preach better and she fights less and, and, and all is good. And so, and, and so, but we had to have the room, had to have the room to try, had to have the space to go, you know what? I feel like God is asking me to step out into this and maybe I'm not going to be very good at it. Um, but I have room to try. And that as we move forward, that then God's love and mercy, he, he carries us, he carries us forward. And so I want us to go ahead and get into your notes, get into your, your, your um, Bible app or the QR code or however you're doing this. And we're going to be looking at this concept that uh, um, if we're truly going to grow and knowing God better and entrusting him more, then we're going to have to, we're going to have to do this stuff at home. It's got to invade every particle of our lives. It's got to invade every aspect of our lives because the truth is, is, is who you are and the fullness of your life is all of your life. It's not just these compartmental moments. It's not just the work part. It's not just the recreation part. It's not just the, the, the spousal roles or the parent roles or any of the different roles you fulfill in your life. It's, it's the fullness of it. And we need to let God invade the fullness of our lives. And so some of you may have noticed um, some of the moisture this week. You know, we may have, may have noticed we had about three days that all of a sudden it was like we were all in Seattle. I mean, it just rained all the time. And so, uh, which was wonderful because it was like this good, gentle, soaking rain, you know, that didn't have hail with it. Wow, we can get rain without hell. Who knew? And so we could get rain without wind knocking branches out of my tree. And so I was like, yes, we need the rain, and we'll just get ready to clean up the mess. You know, there's going to be branches. And I had no branches in my yard. It was amazing, just a great, soaking, amazing rain that fell down. In fact, um, you probably saw a little news article on Facebook or one of those things, and um, that our reservoirs got a bunch of rain, got gathered a bunch because it just soaked, and everything began to run off. Um, and uh, we began to get this 38 billion gallons of water in our lakes. 3.8 billion gallons of water in our lakes. And that's not everything that is gonna make your grass look awesome. That's not all the stuff that got soaked up everywhere. That's what ran off and ended up in the lake. 3.8 billion gallons of water. That's a lot of water. And having all this rain and all this stuff, it reminded me of something I had learned years ago, um, that the average cloud in 
I don't know what an average cloud is. Um, and so it's kind of like saying an average person. You know, you, you've never met an average person. It's never happened. Um, there are no average people. Everyone is made in the image of God, exceptional and awesome, all of you. Uh, and, and so you, we, there's, you, it's like trying to talk about an average person. But supposedly the average cloud, whatever that looks like, um, then we, ha- we have this cloud. And if you were to take that cloud, which, of course, is made up of all this water vapor, all these little water particles, um, which we got to enjoy them coming down and turning into raindrops. Um, but if you were to take this average cloud and you were to stick it in a cloud compactor and squish it all down and try to like put it in a, in a way to carry it home with you, that cloud, would, that average cloud would weigh 1.1 million pounds. 1.1 million pounds, just the average cloud up there because of all of the moisture that's up there in those clouds, in those clouds. So then I was like, my goodness. You know, we ended up with, with all of that in there and we ended up with, with this 3.8 billion gallons of water. And then we began to look at eight pounds per gallon. And this is over 30 billion pounds of water, 30 billion pounds of water that are in our reservoirs. So you can continue to do the math, and, and, and we see that we had like 30,000 average clouds end up in our reservoirs. That's pretty amazing with stuff that, you know, you're, the plane just kind of floats through, and it looks like, like you just want to pick it, and it's like cotton candy or something. It's just so light and airy, and it just it seems like nothing, just the, this cloud that's up there. But there is this weight, there's this, this gravitas to it, and all it is is just this little water particles. It's just this little water stuff. That's, that's, all, it's, that's all it's made of. That all of these 3.8 billion gallons of water was up there hanging in the sky, just as these little particles of water. Like, why are you telling me this, Pastor? (laughs) Yes, rain is rare, but you've gone off the rails here. (laughs) It's because our lives, we tend to try to see them in the big storm moments, the big marked moments, the stuff you can stick the rain gauge to and you can measure, and it's this big monumental moment. But the only way that happened is if that happens. And all of those little dots, all those little things, those represent the individual seconds of our lives. We tend to try to want to see the the storm moments, but we don't get the downpours without the droplets. We don't get those. And so the question is, is if what we're doing with our seconds, what we're doing with those things is is determining the kind of downpour we're going to get. Are we using our seconds, those moments to build love? You're like, I keep putting it out. I keep putting love and I don't get any back. You just keep doing it. You just keep filling those clouds because you're going to get a downpour of love. Are you being impatient? Are you being difficult to deal with? Are you being edgy? Are you cutting corners at work? Still not fired. All of a sudden, then you're like, There's a, there is a storm brewing. It can either be a wonderful, gentle, life-giving, soaking rain, 
or it can be something that's devastating, and you end up cleaning up for years behind it. But the question is, is what are you doing? What are you doing with those seconds? And so what we want to do is if we want to see the weight of God in our lives, see, that's what the word glory means. If you've been around church for a while, if you're new to church, this is a weird saying. Show me your glory. Show me your glory. You're like, okay, that's, that's weird. I don't know what that means. Well, we see it in the scriptures, and it's, it's the weight. It's the fullness of who God is. And if we want to see, and as his children, as his people, we should want to see the, the, the fullness and the glory of God. The only way we're going to see the weight of God is if we give him our seconds. That's the only way we're going to see. You want to say, I want to see the weight. I want to see the glory of God in my family. How many seconds are we putting into our family, into meaningful moments with our children and our spouse. I want to see God's glory and my talents and abilities. How much of those talents and abilities are you saying God utilize and God lead and God direct? This is why we want to invite him into the fullness of our lives, with the fullness, all of the seconds. And this is why we've got to try this at home. John 15, 4, New King James Version Leads off with a word we don't use a lot. It's a beautiful, weighty word. It's the word abide. And of course, we understand abide means to live, to, to dwell. Your home is called your abode. So abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. If you want your life to have the fullness of the fruit of God in it, you're, the fullness of your life needs to be placed in God's hands and invite him into those moments, into your home. You're like, uh, well, the, the problem with this preacher man is that uh, home is where, you know, some of the hard stuff happens. Home's where I argue and fight with my wife. Home's where I argue and fight with my wife. You're like, Preacher, you argue with your wife? Yes. We're two thinking people. We have to come to agreement. When we're disagreeing, disagreement is just a pretty word for fighting. We're fighting. And you're like, God, I, you know, you want to be there where, where things are messy? My dirty socks and unwashed dishes and family arguments and you want to be there? Yeah, God wants to be there. He wants to be in those moments because it's in those moments that real life transformation happens. I wish it happened right here. I wish it did. But it doesn't. What happens here is called equipping. I equip you. Holy Spirit works through the ministry to equip you. So then you have what you do, take it home and see life be transformed at home. I got, to, uh, got the privilege of being able to, to do a wedding last night and uh, got to do it in, uh, out in the hill country south of Fredericksburg and just, we just love that area. And one of our favorite spots in the hill country area for our family um, is a place called Enchanted Rock. And it's just a great, big, huge granite dome and it's got a lot of boulders and it's just fun to climb on and called it God's Playground forever. And it's just a really cool spot. 
And uh, so we've been going there for years and years and years. And so when the little girls came along, uh, uh, we, we have seven kids if you're new to Celebration Church. And so we, and, um, so when we have two, two uh, younger ones, a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. And so they had not been to Enchanted Rock with the older kids. And so we decided to take them. So we went camping and um, the little girls were not that impressed with sleeping in a tent. Uh, we're laying there in the tent. And they're like, okay, uh, why are we not in a hotel? Um, I'm like, oh, Lord, break the power of their mother off of them. And so I have to pray over my children. Like, this is awesome. And Presley's like, I want to go to the hotel. We don't have the hotel. You're going to love this. And so, and, uh, and so we were going camp. I mean, we were camping, and we had done a hike. And, and as the day went on, um, it got warmer and warmer and warmer. And so finally, it was it was. Pretty, pretty stinking hot. So um, uh, Mike is there with me and the little girls. We're hiking through the trails, and, and Pressy is just, she's whiny. She's done with it. She's tired. She is ready to be at the location and at the campsite, and so we still got a little ways to walk, and she's like, Dad, I'm hot, and I'm like, we're almost there. And so then she notices um, my shadow on the ground, and she says, Daddy, can, can I walk in your shadow? Yeah. Yeah, you can walk in my shadow. Um, and so as she began to, to on purpose engage with me and walk in my shadow, um, then, then she was able to enjoy this place of shade with every step she took. The, the, the heat of the sun the, did not affect her um, like it had as she got out of the shadow. And so she was able to enjoy the last little bit of that trail walk fully protected from the sun and fully shaded by her daddy. And one of the things that I'd noticed in that moment is that something kind of special happened when she asked permission. She didn't need to ask permission. I don't rent my shadow out, you know. I didn't say, get out of my shadow, you know. You're going to suffer like the rest of us. And so, and so, uh, you know, she was, um, you know, I, I was not, but she asked if she could, and, and let me know that this was something she was wanting to do. And at that point, when she chose and she said, Daddy, I, I want to walk in your shadow, well, then she made a conscious decision that she was going to pay attention to my shadow. And she was going to go where my shadow went. She was going to go at the pace that my shadow moved. And, and she, was going to, she was going to go in those directions. But there was also something that happened to me that when I knew that she had made a purposeful decision to abide in my shadow, to walk and live and function in my shadow, then whereas before I had always had this shadow that was available and I just moved at my pace, all of a sudden now that I was aware that my child was purposing to abide in my shadow, there was something that shifted in me. And I made sure that it was easy for her to walk in my shadow. I made sure that I walked a little bit weird, cast a little bit better shadow. I would sit there and I was, I was more engaged. I went more at her pace and went more at what she could do. All of a sudden, there was this thing that I was, she was abiding in my shadow, but I was abiding with her as well. And there was this beautiful thing that takes place when we purpose to abide in God. So many times we could think, okay, God, I, I want to go with you. I want to abide with you. And we think, oh, my gosh, he's God, and it's just going to move so fast. Or he's going to require things of me, all this stuff that I can't handle. And all he's ever wanted 
was to be in relationship with you. That's it. That's the whole point of redemption. That's the whole point of creation. That's the whole point of Jesus. That's all he's ever wanted. And as soon as you go, you know what? I just, I want to connect with you. I want to abide in you. Man, I tell you what, the grace of God is there and he is not gonna say, all right, well, let's see what you're made of and sit there and go. No, all of a sudden, we're gonna see God doing some peculiar moves on us. And God's all of a sudden, it feels like, God, how'd your shadow get bigger? But I'm telling you, um, God engages with us. And it's not that he's waiting on us to begin to do something. I'm telling you that as we purpose to pull into him, as we do it, there is this grace that's there. It's that this is all I've ever wanted, child. Let's do this. Let's do this. And begin to move. But she had to be willing to move at my pace. And I'm telling her, all of a sudden, there's this beautiful reciprocation of this grace. John 15, 4, in the message translation, says, Live in me. Make your home in me, just as I do in you. There's this beautiful reciprocation. Abide in me, and as I abide in you. There's this beautiful back and forth. It's not buckle up, buttercup, let's hit this. Keep up if you can. No, it's come on, I'm with you. I am part of this. Just in the same way that a branch can't bear grapes by itself, but only after being joined to the vine, <clears throat> you, can't bear unless, you can't bear fruit unless you're joined with me. See, the truth is, is God's heart is to make his home with you. That has been the case. It's not him saying, hey, come make your home with me. It's his desire to make his home with us. Jesus expresses this in John 14, 23. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Him making his home with us. That's amazing. Most religion says, no, we come to conform and make our, make our home where God's place. And, he's, and Christianity says, no, I want to come and make my home with you. I want to come to where you're at. That's the whole beauty of Jesus, God incarnate, putting on man flesh and coming out here and showing us what it looked like to really be human and to connect with God and to do all the things we were called and wired to do from the beginning. And that it can look like, well, if you jump through the hoops and I'll love you, my daddy will love you, and then all will be good. And, and Jesus is reframing the Judaic culture who thought that all the sacrificial systems and all the law keeping was what made them right with God. And he is reframing this. And no, I want, we want to make our home with you. And Israel just kept thinking they had to do all these things. And we see the fullness of this in Romans of what of God demonstrating his love and how much he loves us. It's not if we jump through the right hoops, he loves us. See, Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, while we didn't care, while we weren't abiding with him. It wasn't, okay, I, as you were struggling to abide, I saw you were kind of terrible at it, and so we're gonna die and give you some grace. No, it was while we didn't care. Well, we didn't care. While we were doing our own thing, not caring at all about God, he died for us, and that's how he demonstrated his love for us. He demonstrates his love in that while you don't love him, he loves you. That's the beauty of this thing. The message translation of John 15, 9 says, 
I loved you the way my father has loved me. Make yourselves at home in my love. And family, I think that's one of our biggest struggles as believers, as children of God. It's making ourselves at home in his love, just being okay with it. We tend to vacillate between one side or the other of feeling like we need to earn it or feeling like we gotta prove we appreciate it. Okay, man, he's forgiven me. Now I better just not mess up again and me living it right, doing it all right. That's how I show my love. No, you show your love by acting like he's there in a relationship with him, being honest and real and vulnerable and inviting him in. That's where it's at. That's all he's ever wanted. See, the cool thing is inviting him into our home. We see the truth in the scriptures that much of Jesus's ministry happened. It happened in homes. It happened in homes. And there's lots of moments that happened in homes. As Jesus raised a child from the dead in a home. Jesus ministered to Peter's sick mother-in-law in a home. Jesus teaches over and over in a home. Jesus is in a large crowd walking down the street. A man who was a social pariah climbs a tree named Zacchaeus, wants to take a peek. Jesus sees him up there and says, look, I'm coming to your house. He leaves the crowd and goes to a, a guy who nobody wanted to hang out with, goes to his house. All of a sudden, ministry happened in homes over and over again when Jesus was anointed for his death and, and the lady comes and breaks the jar of very expensive ointment, this oil, and pours it on his head. It doesn't happen in a temple. It doesn't happen in a, in a synagogue. It happens in a home. And Jesus was reframing it because all the time it was show up at the place, show up at the synagogue, show up at those different things, and that's where God's gonna meet you. And he's like, no, I wanna meet you in your house. I want to meet you where you live. I want to meet you where all your decisions are made, all your hard stuff is dealt with, all your tears are shed, all your frustrations. When you scream in your pillow, I want to be there with you. That is what he is about. It's not that he's distant, far off in some temple on some unreachable land. He's right here in your house. And he's want to make his home with you. That is what this has been about. We're about to look at a spot here in Luke chapter 5. Verse 17 says, one day Jesus was teaching. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. And they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. And some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. And when they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, let's pause. Here it is, Jesus is teaching, and there's a lot of people who want to hear it. And there were some open-air spaces. There were some other places he could have done. There were some more efficient ways Jesus could have ministered in that moment. But what he wanted to do wasn't something efficient. He wanted to do something significant. And so in that moment, you end up with that significant moment. There is a crowded house. There's people who are sitting there struggling to get in. And that's the, the truth is, is God just doesn't want to be efficient. Efficient is big build, have bigger buildings, get wider doors, shovel people in and through, give them their blessings, and move them along in their religious exercises. That's efficient. God doesn't want to do something efficient. God wants to do something significant. And significant is slow, significant is messy, and significant shows up at your house. That is where significant happens. That is what God wants to do. We gather here, again, to be equipped, to be equipped. 
It's not that the stuff happens here. It happens, real discipleship, real growth happens at home. So they couldn't get in because of the crowd, and they went up on the roof. Somehow they get the paralyzed guy on the roof. That had to be tricky. And we don't even know that this paralyzed guy was down with it. It doesn't say he was all about it. He could have been saying, put me down. You people are crazy. You're going to drop me. I'm already paralyzed. You're going to paralyze my paralytic. Y'all are going to mess me up. And so they go ahead and, and they raise him up. And they put him up on the roof. And they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. This was not a quick process. This was not easy to do. It was, it was messy. The people who showed up on time got dirt in their hair. It was a mess. And Jesus looks at him and says, friend, your sins are forgiven. I want you to notice here that he says friend before he brings up sin at all. He calls him Friend. For he brings up his shortcomings, his messes, his, his stuff he needs to work on. The stuff that just requires straight up divine forgiveness. He bring, calls him friend first. And the forgiveness is freely given. So yeah, the truth is, is that our encounter with Jesus should, it should impact our home first. And so as we go through here, we see that the, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they began thinking to themselves who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier for you to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. Get up, take up your mat and go home. He ends up telling a guy who can't get up, who can't pick up anything. He doesn't say you're healed. He doesn't say, I pray over this paralysis. He just tells him, get up, take up your mat, and go home. And sends him home, the place where everybody else had gathered in, the place where everybody had showed up to hear from Jesus. I guarantee he wasn't done teaching. I guarantee that he had more to say. And he says, I want you to take this miracle, and I want you to take it home. Because why? Because home was where the place that his paralysis had affected things the most. That's the place where the biggest price had been paid of people caring for him, of this most frustration of things not going right, of the biggest place of, of, of pain and issues and suffering was at home. And now that the miracle is here, he's like, take that home with you. Go home to that place that needs you, needs this healing the most and carry it home. And see, the truth is, is that you take your encounter home by, you, by taking your praise home. Praise is what's coming off your lips. It's not a feeling in your heart. It's what is coming off of your lips. And it says, immediately stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and he went home praising God. He did exactly what he was told. He stood up, grabbed his mat, and went home. But he added his own flair to it. He went home praising God. Jesus didn't say, go home praising God. He was just grateful, and he went home praising God. He took his miracle home with him because he took his praise home with him. He talked about it at home. He ran his mouth at home. He, he, he began to, what God had done in this special moment, it began to infect his home because he opened his mouth at home.
See, folks, the bottom line today is that the full impact of Jesus happens when this hits home. That's the, the full impact of this life in Christ. And if you're new to Celebration Church, if, if you're new to Christianity and just kind of checking this out, I, I, I get it. I, I, I get that. And you've got all the space you need. You're in a safe place and you can just come and learn and check things out all you want. But for those of us who have made the decision that we're going to embrace Jesus as Savior, as Lord, as, as, our, as, as our King, then there's a place where this needs to hit home. And there's a place of grace where we can try this at home. And maybe we're not good at it at first. But I'm telling you, his grace is enough. And we choose to abide with him. And I'm telling you, his grace is there. He abides right back with us. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.